In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Uh, don't be shy. The hybrids are among us now. They're environmentally friendly cars. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Humanity is at a crossroads. By Eric Clapton. Anything goes at Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Sleep? Hello? It's me, Jer. I know who it is. Do you have any idea what time it is, dude? I know, I know, I know, but dude, check it out. I got a letter from Debbie Jordan, the abductee from that Bud Hawkins book. What, Intruders? Yeah, 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 and then she wrote uh, that follow-up with her sister called Abducted. The the book is called Abducted, not her sister. Yeah, great story. Are we done here or what? No, 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 no. listen, Jeff, uh, let me read you this letter. We, we gotta have her on the show. Dear Jeremy, I really like your show, Paratopia. In here, I think she meant our show, Jeff. I like the track you and Jeff are on with the high strangeness stuff. I know I I'm the poster I'm child, the poster for, child straightforward for straightforward extraterrestrial abduction narrative, but actually my experiences have been far stranger than what you've written in Intruders. Wait, 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 Jer. What are you, what are you doing? You, you can't just blend your voice with Deb Jordan's like it's a flashback to when she wrote this. This isn't a movie, you idiot. This is real life. It doesn't work like that. What do you mean? Dad, put Jeremy back on the phone. But I am. It's me, Jeremy. Are you too high? <laughs> what are you doing this in a hotel room for? I'm not, Jeff. It's me, Jeremy. On what planet would I fall for this shit? The one where we're where in the podcast cave ready to go and you're still on your ass in bed. Now, take off your covers and get over here. All right, I'm here. What was so important? Nothing. I just couldn't sleep. Oh, so you dragged my ass out of bed. <laughs> what kind of friend are you? Why don't you go bang Debbie Jordan or something? <coughs> oh, sorry, Debbie. I I didn't see you there. <laughs> you know, you all got to see a Kool-Aid behind this door. Yeah, don't fall into that. <laughs> it's all getting out. What makes you think I didn't? Didn't what? Bang Debbie Jordan. No, <clears throat> oh, hey Debbie, sorry I didn't see you there. That's you're stupid. Oh, it's nice to meet you, by the way. Yeah, you too. So we're all here. Uh, you you, know, you want to do a show, or what do you want to talk about? Well, young Deborah. Yes. Um, I I've been rereading your book, Abducted, and it's interesting, you know, um, reading this. In, in light of what we've learned about, for instance, Marley Woods on this show, um, or DMT Tykes, which are, you know, uh, both of which include basketball-sized, um, well, sentient beings of some sort or another, and a gibberish <laughs> that seems to be associated with them. Um, 
And now, so I'm reading your book, Abducted, and right there, you know, pretty much from the beginning, it, it begins with this basketball-sized light that's out in your yard and seems to affect your dog, right, and the grass, and you, correct? And my mother, yes. Tell us, so maybe you can make some sort of sense of this, at least in terms of, you know, assuming that this is even the same thing, at least the same thing as what Ted Phillips describes in Marley Woods, um... Maybe you can help fill us in on, on what those effects are, what it actually, at least some of what this thing does. What the light does? Yeah. Well, I can only tell you what it did to me and from my perspective, but what its actual purpose is, I, I'm not sure. Um, I know in in one instance it um, seems to uh, be a trigger for my mother in order to get me back out into the yard uh, that night. And um, then later on, once I was out there, um, when I when I started to come out of the uh, garage and was confronted with this ball of light, and apparently, well, I don't know whether that light hit me in the chest or something came from it and hit me in the chest, but totally paralyzed me. And um, for a minute, I thought I was dead or dying. And then um, this ball of light seemed to scan me, for lack of a better way to put it. It was about as far up off the ground as I am tall. I'm five foot three. And uh, it slowly went down and then went back up to where it started. And it was probably maybe 20 feet in front of me or so. And um, I'm not quite sure what it was doing. Like I said, I just got the feeling it was like, Checking me out, and but it, uh, uh, it has radiation effects, correct? And it oh yeah, killed your dog. Well, it didn't kill her that night. She at from that point on, she went downhill to the point where I I think it was maybe a few weeks later we ended up having to take her to the vet, and she ended up having to be put down. All of the hair fell off of her body from the neck down, even in places where she couldn't rub. She had a black, big black spot on her back, and um, her eyes got all white, and her teeth started falling out. Her gums started bleeding. She just fell apart, and uh, the vet had to put her to sleep. Of course, the mark in the yard showed up that weekend and basically was uh, apparent in some form or another for several years, and... Snow would melt off of it every year. When it, we'd have a light, you know, dusting of snow, it it would immediately melt off of this mark. And uh, animals walked around it, plant life, you know, nothing grew on it for over a year. And then when it finally did start to grow in, the grass that came in from the outer edges of it was a much thicker and almost a purpley green color. I got sick. I stayed sick for practically a year. Um, the next day is when it started. Uh, well, actually, that night, I started feeling kind of nauseated, and uh, my vision started acting weird, like uh, halos around lights, kind of like you get when you dunk your head in the swimming pool and open your eyes too much and you get a little dose of chlorine, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, it was. I, had, I hadn't gotten my eyes in the chlorine in the pool. But anyway, the next morning when I woke up, my eyes were swollen shut. And they 
I was in terrific pain. My mother took me to the emergency room. The doctor who saw me in the emergency room, uh, one of the doctors in there happened to be uh, an eye doctor, and they actually transported me from the emergency room to his office across the street because he had all of his stuff there. And um, I do recall him asking me if I had looked into the arc of a welder's torch, which I said no, asking me if I had looked into a an eclipse. And I'm like, dude, do I look retarded? Uh, no. And I was just, you know, please help me. I'm miserable. I can't stand this. It was like my eyes were on fire. Several creams and several weeks later, finally healed up, and um, they have never been right since. I became extremely farsighted. And um, now, at the age of 40, it, I was discovered to have, um, I think they call it drusen or something like that, around the optic nerve in one eye, and uh, pressures were a little higher than they should be. So I've had some issues from my eyes ever since then, as well as my vision. And sometimes, uh, for no reason at all, they'll just get real red and burn and water like crazy for five or ten minutes, and then it stops. And that's happened ever since that night. I also developed life-threatening allergies that I had never had before. I'd get rashes out of the blue. I'd run fevers. The glands in my neck would swell up. Uh, the fingernails and toenails, my fingernails and toenails for years grew out with um, horizontal wavy lines on them, and then they got real thin like paper. My hair got real thin. Uh, I, I was sick for a long, long time. It took many years for me to get my strength back and get my health back. It really, it really knocked me for a loop physically and psychologically. Well, thank God for Space Brothers. Uh, yeah, they really. <laughs> did, did, did you have any sense that the the ball of light was alive or a tool of some sort? Any any feeling about the light itself? Um, well, like I said, I got a feeling that I got the feeling that this thing was eyeballing me. Now, whether it had its own life to it or whether it was a tool of some kind or not. At the same time, though, I did recall seeing several small people out in the yard, for lack of a better term, um, child size, six of them, as a matter of fact. And they all uh, were scattered about in different areas of the yard, and about the time I saw this oint or this um, white ball of light about basketball size, um, they started to all move together and come towards this smaller, like I said, this craft, I could see it off to my left, and it was one of those kind of deals where I knew it was there, I was almost too terrified to really want to even look at it, but yet, didn't want to take one eye off of it, because I wanted to know where it was in relationship to me at all times, you know what I mean? That kind of terror, and, uh, but uh, these small people all moved into this, or to the direction of this small egg-shaped craft, and... Um, I don't know how they all got in there. I don't even know if it was a craft. I don't, you know, it was shaped like an egg, and it really wasn't much bigger than the pump house of the swimming pool. Um, probably, I don't know, a typical pump house size. I mean, it wasn't very big. 
So, you know, in my mind, I can't think that they all hopped in this thing and flew away. I'm not quite sure exactly what that thing was, but it was there in the yard. Um, It didn't really quite touch the ground because I felt I had a sense of it kind of bobbing a little bit, you know, like a a bobber on the uh, surface of the water. But um, Like an alien clown car. (laughs) Clown car, yeah. (laughs) I didn't hear any Calliope music, though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you actually were nice enough to, uh, I had written, I'd posted on the forum a dream, and I wrote to you and said, hey, you know, take a look at this, just because part of the message of it I thought was kind of striking, and you were nice enough to sort of dissect it a little bit and, and also wrote uh, pretty lengthy saying, um, you know, thank God for Bud Hopkins. If it wasn't for him, you know, I, I wouldn't be here. But pretty much everything I've said <laughs> about him is true in terms of him not accepting high strangeness and that this is far less straightforward than than the narrative that comes out of his books, which include you in them. So I, I find that interesting. Can you tell us what... Uh, what has happened to you that Bud would not include or has not included in his book? What sort of high strangeness stuff are we talking about? Well, in, in, high strangeness in that um, it, it seemed as if later on my experiences took on a different dimension. Um, and one not not so much physical, but more spiritual and psychological and mind-expanding in a way, I guess. Um, I love Bud to death, and he has helped untold amount of people. And like I said in my letter to you, I will always thank him for saving my life. But he has always been, and I've heard it said before, I wasn't one that coined this, but in the emergency room of this whole phenomenon, when I was a broken piece of work that, could barely function, and he stabilized me like an emergency room doctor. But there's only one of him, and there's thousands of me, you know. And um, but he did, he did have, uh, you know, other people. He, he he introduced other people in my life uh, for support. And um, I'll tell you what, the baby stuff. When I first. You know, when I, I approached him with this, and I, I think I pretty much blew his mind. I blew my own mind because I couldn't understand why I was even saying anything to him about it, what connection it could possibly be with all of this, um, you know, extraterrestrial stuff. And still, I don't know for sure. Uh, I mean, I know what I remember, but I also realize what the human mind is capable of in the face of trauma. And so I almost kind of, I, I always question even my own memories to a certain point because, you know, I mean, when my late husband killed himself, I ran around and told everybody that the angels put their hands over my ears and I didn't hear the gunshot wound, even though I did, but I didn't remember it for three months. Your brain does something to protect you. So I, I know... I, some of this trauma that I have dealt with, you know, now that I'm 25 years from it, it's become clearer for me. But, um, mm-hmm. Bud... What was the... I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, what was the baby stuff that you were, t- you were referring to? Well, we even debated about whether it was going to be in intruders or not, because it was so way out there in left field. 
And I think that um, as Bud got deeper into the investigation with my family and started to get more people coming to him, he started to see that there were uh, other women were reporting the same thing. And I didn't know these women. I was a little girl in the middle of Indiana cornfields. I didn't have any exposure to any of this sort of thing. And so how these other women could be telling the same story that I'm telling, you know, that that's a big red flag that there's something going on here. And I think Bud decided that it was important. And it was really hard for me to, to agree to put that in the book because it's one thing to say, yeah, I saw you. Oh, no, you know, no one cares about that. But when you start saying, you know, I think I was, I was, I know I was pregnant and, and then my baby disappeared and I don't know that it might not be connected with, one of these um, uh, exp- one of these um, experiences I had, you know, but then you start looking at the person going, okay, <laughs> let me scoot a little closer to the door and make sure that lock is not down. <laughs> but uh, actually what happened was one time we were, um, he had come to the house. He'd come to Indiana. He came several times during his three years he investigated, you know, researched this, this, my whole family and our life. And we had gone to look at, we had gone to talk to somebody else in Greenfield about uh, another uh, uh, possible abduction out there around the same time that all the stuff was happening here. And when we pulled back into my mom and dad's driveway, I had been thinking about this pregnancy I had when I was, um, when I first got engaged to my first husband. We, um, and, and the whole circumstances of the whole thing was strange, and uh, I ended up not being pregnant. Become I was pregnant. It was confirmed by a doctor, because like I've always said, you don't have a daddy like mine, and you don't go telling him that you're pregnant until you're sure, because <laughs> you don't want to deal with that, um, especially when you're 17. So... Um, but I had told my mom about it. She would taken me to the doctor. They'd given me a urine test and the pelvic and all that and said, yeah, you're pregnant. There was even some question as to when I got pregnant. Well, so I knew how to get pregnant, and I knew I only had done that one time. So uh, I knew when I got pregnant, but they thought I was a little farther along maybe. But anyway, um, then I was babysitting for my sister, the one that wrote the, uh, the other book with me one night. I even remember what was on TV. This is how it stick, stuck in my mind, how important it must have been. Was, I was laying on her couch. The front door was open. All the kids were in bed, and I was watching the Bob Newhart show on TV. And I remember turning my back to the TV and feeling really tired all of a sudden. And then I felt someone stroke my back of my neck and down my spine, and it startled me, but then I just immediately fell asleep. When I woke up the next morning, I was in my niece's bed, and uh, she was like two or three. She was little. And I didn't remember how I got there, and I didn't remember my sister and her husband coming in, and I didn't. But when I woke up, the first thing I thought was, I'm not pregnant. And I was hysterical. I didn't feel any problem, but I went to the bathroom to check, and I couldn't shake it. And it just ate at me all day. And my girlfriend was going to go to Planned Parenthood to get her birth control pills, and I had told her. 
And, you know, how I was feeling, she said, well, come with me. You can get a pregnancy test. Don't tell them you already know you're pregnant and everything, you know. They'll give it to you. Don't cost nothing. Or maybe it was $5. I can't even remember. And uh, so I went to have... I went and had the pregnancy test, and I remember the lady coming out to me, and she she said, well, you're not pregnant, and if you don't have your period in the next week, then you need to see your family doctor. And oh, when I heard that you're not pregnant, I just kind of went into shock. By the time my girlfriend got me in the car, I was sobbing. I was hysterical. So I decided to go home and tell my mom there was something wrong, and I needed to go to the doctor. And... Um, so she took me back to the doctor, and, you know, I was not pregnant. There wasn't anything there. My mom asked him, does she need a D&C? What does she have? She had a miscarriage. Or and he said, no, she doesn't. I didn't need a D&C. And the, the thing that stuck in my mind with him is he said to me, you're young. You'll have other children. If I were you, I would just forget this ever happened and just go on. Hmm. And I thought to myself, and, you know, this was back in the 70s, and, you know, I was, a, I was basically a kid, and I thought, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to forget this. I'm, I'm never going to forget this. And, and I never did. And I thought about it for years, but then I didn't after a while. But then after that mark in the yard incident happened, that was like something happened that night, and a part of me or... Who I was died, and somebody new was born. And, I mean, everything about my life changed in that moment from that point on. And from that point on, I started thinking about that baby and about how strange it was, the whole circumstances surrounding that pregnancy and I could not shake it and finally it was so strong that I finally broke I finally said something to Bud about it and I'll never forget the look on his face because he was <laughs> he was like mortified I think he was like oh my god she is crazy you know <laughs> then I started crying I said I don't know why I'm telling you this that's the whole baby thing and I never knew I mean I've had so much strangeness in my life. I assumed that everyone did. I didn't have any idea that no, everyone doesn't. When you say that it had a transformative effect uh, spiritually, mentally, at what at what points in your life did those happen, and, and what were they? It started to happen pretty quickly once um, we really started to uncover the past. It, it, and um, I had a, I had one hypnosis session with the Dr. Clamar in New York. Then I had a few with Bud. But during the hypnosis sessions, during the actual sessions, I really didn't remember too much more than I had already remembered consciously. But what happened was it was like later, after I'd had the session, then little things would start to come flying back out of the blue. Something would just pop in my mind, and I'd think, oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot that. You know, it was like it, it pulled the plug out of the floodgate. And um, as this new awareness and all these memories came back to me, I think that's when I started to um, metamorphosize or 
into this creature that, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, I've had people ask me, you know, if you could stop, if you could have stopped all this and, you know, knew what you knew, would you? And I'm like, no, because it's, it's a part of me and it's made me who I am and I have been able to, um, grow like this in this way because of it. Um, I don't know whether it caused me to be this way or it forced me to do it myself. You know what I'm saying? Well, what way I, are you? What way are you that's different? I am so, I don't know, empathic. I don't just listen to people when they talk about feelings and things. I feel what they say. I, 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 I don't know how to describe it. It's like I almost become one with that person. I get into their head. I, I can I can feel somebody out in a couple of minutes. And I don't know if it's just my instinct or, or if it's something extra. I don't know. But I can feel your energy. Everyone has a different energy footprint, and it's like a fingerprint. No two are alike. And if somebody that somebody comes up behind me that I don't know, I know there's someone there, but I don't know who they are. But if somebody comes up behind me that I do know, you know, and I don't see them, I know pretty much I can tell you who they are because I can feel how they feel in, in, in my space. You know what I mean? And I, that sounds weird. But that stuff that started happening after... June 30th, 1983. It actually sounds great. It sounds testable. <laughs> it's testable, yes. And Maybe you I, could win the James Randi money. Who? Yeah. Randy. James, <laughs> James yeah, Randi, the, the arch skeptic who you know offers a million dollars for anyone who can prove their uh, psychic or other abilities. Well, I know one time I was at um, a, a researcher's house in Missouri and he had a bunch of people there, and he had a guy there with some kind of scientist who had made um, this experiment with uh, uh, a compass and had a meter on it and stuff, and he had people w waving their hands over it to see what they could do. I was feeling really on that night, and, you know, I'm not really good at controlling this. It comes and goes in fleeting moments, just like when I was... Um, it seems like the more emotionally charged I am, the stronger it is. I was mad at my mom one time, and I was uh, or mad at my sister, and I was cleaning the brass handles on their uh, cabinets. My sister had taken them off and um, had me polishing them, and I bent them up in my hands. And these are solid brass, but I didn't realize I was doing it. I was just mad at my sister. Um, I... Could, uh, but I remember that guy had that test, and I waved my hand over it, and the dial started to spin crazy. And I said, look at that. And the guy was so freaked out by it that he put the thing away, and nobody messed with it for the rest of the night. So, I mean, maybe there is some stuff with me that, that could be testable, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you know what remote viewing is. Um I started learning about stuff like this because I had had even an experience when I was a child of of kind of leaving myself and going somewhere else, and um, I started practicing that, and I I uh, I uh, didn't do too bad. 
all these things started to develop in me after June 30th, 1983. I'm not saying it wasn't already there, but I think it was asleep or dormant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like somebody flipped the switch on. Well, Deb, the- um, one of the one of the things that that I'm hearing from you is the the empathy part of it. Uh, and I'm not sure how much of uh, Dennis McKenna's stuff that you've actually listened to or, or Terrence McKenna's stuff, uh, but one of the things that he talks about, like uh, in depth about, is the, the aspect of seeing these beings, which are described as made of light about the size of a basketball, and they, they come bouncing up to you and they vibrate in place, then they jump into your chest, which sounds very similar to what you described at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I felt um, like I was hit by lightning. Yeah, and and one of the things that he says that they're doing uh, in that experience is that they are teaching a new dispensation of language that is visual uh, in the sense that, um, uh, you know, he says one of the most uncomfortable things that you could ever do in a conversation is say to someone, can you explain to me what I just said? Uh, because it, it kind of unveils the fact that nobody listens to anybody anyway, and even when they do, they don't get it. Uh, whereas you're saying that you feel things that other people feel as they're describing a situation or telling you a story yeah. or whatever. Do you, how much of that do you feel is, is, uh, is visual in that you're actually reading uh, or hearing their language, but you're reading the inflection and seeing the inflection um, in other words, you're, you're being, you, you were, uh, somehow taught or given that, that ability to visualize language. Yes, absolutely. And it, it's like I listen with my whole being and I get, I hear more than just what you say. I feel what you say. I see what you say. I smell what you say, I, you know what I'm saying, I, I listen with all of my senses, not just my ears, and I get a whole picture, I hear what you say, but I also hear what you're thinking when you say it, sometimes what you think and what you say aren't the same thing, and I'm here, I'm getting it all, you know what I'm saying? Right. How much and, of that translates to you from reading, like written word, does any of that kind of come through in that at all? Um, it depends on who wrote it. Mm-hmm. And I can, well, you know, maybe not, because I have, I have read letters that were written 200 years ago by someone, and I still feel as if I'm in the room with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm get you know what I'm saying? It's really, it, it, I, it's hard to verbalize, and I have often said, I wish I could just get into you and make you know, because mm-hmm. that's the easiest way. But mm-hmm. I can't do that because you can't do that yet. But, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's something that he talks about ad nauseum, is how indescribable some of these events and feelings are that there, there they are have. no words yes yeah. we, we don't have words to describe right. the things that i know and see and feel 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think researchers like Bud kind of shy away from because it does sound, for, you know, crazy. But And I realize that if I wasn't experiencing this myself, I may not, you know, I may not be able to grasp this concept, mm-hmm. you know, but, but you, that it is a part of me now. Do you, do you think that... Um I mean, you said that that over time your experience sort of changed from what it uh, the onset of what it what it what it was to you uh, versus you know present day if that still is going on with you. Um, do you attribute these things that have picked up uh, over the years by virtue of interaction with this this enigma? Do you do you attribute the uh, I guess you could call it a greater perception to what the experience is versus what it used to be for you? Well, for me in the beginning, the experiences were more three-dimensional and physical in this plane, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and obviously I had the physical, the symptoms, the physical problems, and the physical marks in the yard, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then later on, it became the the interaction that I started to have became more uh, psychic, for lack of a better way to put it, um, in, in the mind sort of thing, not so much in the physical. And um, honestly, I, can't, I don't know whether what I have dealt with has been, you know, extraterrestrial or another dimension. Something in my brain opened up, and I have had these wild and crazy vivid um, thoughts like, uh, almost like quantum physics guys I see on TV, when I see them talk about that they think that maybe there's um, an, an in, uh, indefinite amount of universes that all exist together at the same time, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I wasn't able, I, I never heard anybody else say it, but I, I would visualize this existence as just like another layer of the onion. Everything is just right here. There are things that exist right with you, but you <laughs> something in your mind can't see it or can comprehend it yet, but it doesn't mean it's not there. And then yet, there are some people, maybe like me sometimes, um, that ha- can access that part of their brain that can sometimes see that, you know? Right. I, I said I I started to be able to see dead people. I know that sounds crazy, too, believe me, but... No, it goes with the territory. That, <laughs> you know. Okay, you know those stereo, stereo optic pictures that when you first look at them, they just look like a bunch of colored dots. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on that in a certain way... And you don't really quite know exactly when that point is, but all of a sudden it, you hit just the right sweet spot and it just pops out at you in 3D. Sure, sure. That's how I see things. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked to Jeremy. I've talked his ear off about this part of it that that um, you know has been pretty common for me to see to kind of look at a white wall. And kind of, you're almost focusing in between your, you're focusing on the air between the wall and you. Right. And you start to see like what looks like really fine static grain 
to yep. what you're looking at, and you see things moving in that. Um, yep, and, I, and I've seen uh, doorways, uh, the shadow of a, of a window or a doorway in a room that there's, isn't there. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this is all the thing. This is the this is June the 30th, 1983. When that girl died and that's when I came. That's when I was born. I mean, that's when this all started and in the beginning it was so intense and overwhelming that it crippled me for a year mentally and physically, you know? But I but I survived it and and I'm slowly sorting out what I was left with and and um, you know, I know it sounds kind of strange, but believe me, I've been tested. I even kind of hoped they'd tell me I was crazy so I could just take a pill and it all go away and I could be like <laughs> everyone else. But that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> no, no. Well, I want to get back to a hy- the the hybrid thing for just one moment because I want to know how literal you think that is now. Do you think that? They really did take a pregnancy. Did you ever meet this um, supposed child? Uh, I can't remember from intruders if uh, something tells me that you had held a baby and that sort of stuff. Was that you? Yeah. Okay, Um, so do you think that that's, looking back at that now, well, do you have a follow-up on that? I mean, is the the baby an adult now? I mean, do you still see it? Well, uh, she'd be 30 years old now. And, um, because yes, I'm quite ancient. Although, you know what? I look pretty good for an old broad. <laughs> I think they're keeping me young. But anyway, um, the, yes, the, I was definitely pregnant. There was no question about that. It was confirmed. I have the medical re- records, you know. There wasn't any doubt about that. Uh, the, 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 the fogginess and the question comes with what happened to the pregnancy. Um, I... I have, uh, I call them dreams because, you know, i got to live here, and that's how I can deal with it. That's how I can make it fit into my my world. Um, these dreams slash memory that I have of seeing this child and um, realizing that it's mine and then being told by the others that it's, not completely mine, and um, being very upset, and being told that I would see her again someday. And then several years later, many years later, this is also, I mean, a real and waking moment here. I mean, I wasn't dreaming or asleep when this happened. I was sitting in a kitchen in my apartment, and I had a patio with one of those privacy fences around it, and a little flash you can see through it. And um, at one point, I just felt that if someone were watching me, and I looked up, and I saw, in between the flats, a girl, all dressed in black, but, you know, maybe the size of a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old. And, you know, what kind of weirdo nine-year-old or eight-year-old parent would dress their kid all in black, you know what I mean? I mean, from, from boots up, but the hair was white, and I could see the eye... I could see her one eye peering at me between the slat, and she was looking at me. And it was almost as if she jumped through the fence and smacked my psyche in some way. And I'm like, <laughs> it took my breath away, and I jumped out of the chair to run out the side to go to her. 
and she's gone. Yeah. And immediately I felt, out of the blue, that was her. And, you know, I don't know how it is about hybrid, but I know that children, when, they, when they're separated from their parents, as they, when they get older, you know, adoptees, they look for their real parents. They want to know. They feel that pull. Well, this girl has got me in her, and I would hope she would be curious about me. You know, like I said, now she'd be 30 years old, over 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Maybe someday I'll see her again. Let me tell you, let me ask you something, Jeff. Do you ever do this? Mm. Um, do you ever... Like, if you're in a big mall where there's a lot of people around you, you know, do you walk past someone and turn around because something about them, their energy pulls at you, and you turn around and look at them? Do you ever wonder who that really was? Who, who is walking around among us, you know? Uh, well, no? Okay. Just wondered. No, no, no. Um... I can't, I, I have a hard time being around large crowds. Um, uh, I get, um, I don't get nervous. It's not that kind of, of feeling. I just get a, um, uh, and I get it even at the mall at sometimes, um, almost like I'm, uh, hmm. Almost like you're riding in a in a car with somebody and they can't pick a station. Um, Very noisy, and it's not yeah. just the chatter. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. like it's like I'm just my head just gets really clouded with mm -hmm. with a lot of different stuff. But what you're talking about as far as people that you see around, um, yeah, there's been people that you know I'm I I. I can remember this as far back as being a little kid where I would be at a restaurant with my mom and dad and I'd kind of look over and there'd be somebody staring at me from like clean across the room and I'd think nothing of it other than, you know, a casual glance, eyes meet and, you know, that happens. And then I'd, I'd you know, take a drink of water and I'd look back over and they're still staring. <laughs> and I, 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 I sit there you know, I, w I would say I would tell my friends about this stuff, and I'd say, you know, I can't figure out if there's something weird about him, or they just can't figure my ugly ass out. Um, so it was it was always just kind of this, um, and I have that uh, a lot. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I attributed that to anything with this. Um, although I'm sure if I talked to Timothy Good, he 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 would try to. You know, or he he would have that kind of outlook that you know perhaps if you had thought something in that direction, maybe something would have happened. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily always ascribe to. I, I I'm kind of on the fence on that kind of thing of whether they're walking around. I think they're always around. Um, I think it's all a matter of uh, of perception when it comes to what you see, I mean, in other words, with your um, uh, per perceived daughter that you saw out on uh, on your deck, I mean, the, the real obvious question there, and I know you can't answer this because nobody really can, um, 
is if if I or Jeremy were standing there with you and that happened and we were just a fly on the wall, would we have seen her? That's the real question to me. Um, yeah. In the sense that I don't believe a lot of the a lot of the imagery that that comes out of abduction reports as being the totality of what's going on. I see, um, and, and I've I've kind of railed on on Bud and and on Dave Jacobs and people like that because I think that based on what comes out of certain hypnosis sessions. I think that the, 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 you know what I mean when I say a, a, the top level experience? I think you probably get what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're taking that top level experience and kind of that's taking it, taking that as the total experience. And oh, yeah. I think that that's the misleading part. And that's the reason that, that, uh, that, that our, our outlook or our, stance on what the alien experience is is so warped and twisted for people who don't have it for the public in general they think it's all about hybrids and sperm and ovum samples and all that kind of stuff when really it's so much deeper than that oh and so much more complex than that 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 probably is some sort of um reactionary perception by us that may have nothing to do with the, the, the real reality of what's going on, if we can even say that, there may be different levels to that. Um, so that's kind of like where I come from with this stuff, is that I, I recognize that it's a hell of a lot more than what we've ever been told about in certain books and by certain authors and researchers, is that it's much bigger than that. But unfortunately, you know, people will fight you on that uh, because they just don't seem to get it. And it's hard well, to you know, the people like that, I was just going to say, you know, the people that don't get it usually uh, are afraid. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get it. They don't want to yeah. get it. Well, They're I not think, ready. They haven't reached that point yet. I, I think they've, I think, like you say, what Bud kind of helps people do to a certain extent is to integrate the experience. And once people have integrated that experience, it's hard to go back and say, okay, there's more. <laughs> um, yeah. And and it's and it's decidedly uncomfortable that that we have to actually think that these things are, you know, a breath away every second of every day. I don't think that's an exactly a, a that's not a comfortable thing for a lot of people to to accept that. Uh, well, and it screws that, around you know, with their 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 whole way of life, their whole belief system. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really I don't know. Um, it, it's the, there's a lot of people walking around today that could never accept or understand this or, because they wouldn't allow themselves to. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Because yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So that's my kind of like that's kind of like what I feel like my whole destiny in in this existence here is about is trying to find those people and trying to help them feel comfortable and 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 show them the way and teach them to come along uh, you know what I mean because I feel like if I've raised one person up I've raised everybody including myself up to the this higher level that we all need to be going towards you know mm-hmm. I it's mean I have, to, I have to wonder if um, uh, if if the purpose in 
the contact, if that's what it is, um, if that's not the purpose, is to just make the obvious bigger awareness picture more evident to other people. Um, uh, Everybody, because we are all connected. We are all a part of each other. I mean, mm-hmm. as far this, this is how I feel. We we are all a part of each other. We're all part of one life, and you know, we some of us can't grow unless all of us do. I can kind you know of see I mean? that. So, yeah, to a certain point, I can kind of see that. Um, uh, I, I think. I mean, I mean, if, for me right now, and it may change in another year or so because it it often has. But I kind of see this as kind uh, more or less like a wake up call to a greater version of reality and what we mm-hmm. what we think a lot of times is is uh, you know let's get up, let's get breakfast, let's go to work, let's uh, do our job, come home, order a pizza, watch Lost, and go to bed. Um, <laughs> I mean that that you know I've I've said since the time I was a little kid because I I saw how my dad worked you know five a.m. to seven p.m. every night and I'm like is that what is that all it is is that that's what you know that's that's what adulthood is is you just do this and this is what you do until you die and uh, uh, there was always a and of course my mom thought you know you're just a weird little kid uh, <laughs> you know for for thinking stuff like that but I always you know, I always had an inkling that there was something, uh, more. much more complicated about, um, uh, about life and that there are other things in play rather than, you know, what people see in their, in the nine to five. And when you mentioned, um, uh, all the weird stuff that had been floating around all your life and thinking that that's the way it is, that's what everybody has. Uh, that's exactly the way I felt as an elementary school student. Um, I, I, I just remember having a, a pretty, pretty high level experience one night and trying to talk to a couple of my friends about it. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Are you talking about a dream you had? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was a dream. And, um, you know, and I, I just assumed that this was everybody and I certainly, uh, and I don't know how you felt about it, but I know that uh, I was kind of drawn to the UFO thing for a completely different reason. And I thought people who who claimed the abduction experience were just completely full of shit. I thought this is just another way to gain more attention. Uh, one guy takes a photo, the another, next guy claims he's been on the ship. So it's like, it's like a, a one-upmanship type thing. And that was until, you know, I had an experience that uh, uh, that that uh, that a researcher, and which ended up being my research partner, told me, "You need to sit down and write everything strange that you can remember uh, happening to you. Write it all down, and let's go through it and see what we got." And uh, uh, and I, hell, I had told my wife about some weird experiences as, when I was a little kid long before I ever got involved in ufology at all. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me, right? Uh, I'm one of those people. That's what I am. 
that, that's what that was. You know, it just did. I didn't want it to be to be that. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you talk about floodgates. I'm all too familiar with floodgates, and mm-hmm. um, and that was when all of this stuff started to start manifesting in like really in your face kind of ways, stuff that you couldn't blow off. Um, right. And stuff that other people see. So you know it's not all in your head. Um, I was in denial for years. I mean, once I got past the, the that point with Bud where I could start to function again in life, I mean, I withdrew from everybody. Is mm-hmm. Anybody that had anything to do with UFO stuff, researchers, any... Uh, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to be normal, and I wanted to raise my kids and have a life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Uh, in those years, I was—I had a lot of time to think, and I and I began to realize things were still happening, little things mm-hmm. that it, the universe was telling me, "This is your destiny. This mm-hmm. is where you belong, and you will be here, whether you like it or not." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, because I told Jeremy uh, sometime during a conversation we had, you know, I didn't squire out looking for this. It came, it was, it came and got me and drug me into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I can kind of see that, that, uh, that same kind of pattern. I mean, uh, what, um, what as far as, um, verbiage have you gotten from these beings that you have found to be useful or has it just been I mean for me it's been a lot of very cryptic stuff that I still don't understand what it means Um, I mean how much of that do you get and then how much of it do you get that you actually find like there's something useful that was said or communicated that um, you know that you can talk about well I think I've had interaction with more than one type of of phenomenon. And, you know, I, I mean, I think there's as many different um, things going on as there are races of people on this planet, and they all have different agendas, too. I've had some, um, some strange stuff happen. Um, I did it one for about a year. I uh, would... It was, I always said it was like my brain threw up. I would start having these thoughts and feelings, and if I didn't write them down, I couldn't do anything else until I wrote them down or got them out. I drew a bunch of um, designs uh, for um, one year, and it's funny because several of those have, have, like 10 years later, showed up as crop circles in England, the same <laughs> exact design, which is kind of strange. Um and I've talked to Colin Andrews about that. He's aware of that. Uh, he was aware of it back in 89. But um, some of it is, like, it's it's more, I've got a feeling, and I don't know that anybody actually told me this or not, because a lot of the communication that I had with this phenomenon or entity or whatever you want to call them, um, wasn't so much words, but it was a transference of uh, ideas and thoughts. I was given these ideas, these images, but I had to use what I had available to me in my mind to 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 understand it. You know what I mean? I had to pick 
put the images to these thoughts that came to me. It wasn't like someone talked to me that much. Um, it was like, you know how I say I want to get inside of you and make you know what I know? It was kind of like that. It was like they got inside of me, and I, I, then I just became a part of them, and then I knew. You know what I'm saying? I know that sounds just insane. I, I don't have any words to describe some of this quote-unquote communication that I had. I feel that the human race is about to they go one of two ways, and, and it's our free will, our choices, to which way it'll go. We'll either become extinct or we're going to go take another big jump on the evolutionary ladder. Oh, who does that sound like, Jeff? You're, you're in for one very big surprise. <laughs> one very big surprise. Why? Go on. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like me. It sounds like Whitley Strieber, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hey. I, what did I tell you, Benny? We're two peas in a pod. Doesn't that scare the hell out of you? <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's what I feel. And I feel as if I have some kind of duty or my destiny is to help that free choice choose the the um, evolution rather than the extinction. <laughs> well, wait a second. Let's go back for a second. Because you, you said that there were different beings or intelligences that were... Uh, working with you here. So, did, is there a difference in what they're telling you, or is there a difference in anything other than perhaps visually or physically? The only differences that I've gotten are that some are perhaps not so nice. I wasn't kidding when I said there's a fight going on somewhere over us. That um, there may be other forces in the universe or in other universes that may not really. Um, either care too much or not really want us to, you know, move forward for whatever reasons, uh, which, you know, I, being a human being, I probably couldn't even fathom some of it anyway. But uh, I, I have had um, interaction with what they call the Nordic type a couple of times, and then, of course, the little gray guys with the big black eyes, then I had a um, strange kind of interaction with a, um, an, a thing that was built like a gray, but it was all blue and kind of stepped through an invisible doorway. I don't even really think he, he even knew that I could see him. I, I'm thinking that was some kind of interdimensional thing or something. Like I happened to just pop in there and see that. really wasn't meant for me to see, but I did. Um, and uh, I've had experience with um, one kind of uh, thing that was not very pleasant, who was threatening and scared me and uh, was hideous, you know. And, you know, I've been involved in the, the paranormal side of it, the ghost hunting stuff. I'm really feeling that there is some connection between all things paranormal. Yeah, not just club. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, UFOs, ghosts, all that crap. I, there's mm-hmm. some connection. There is some, there's something, there's some common denominator with all of this in this great, giant, bigger picture here. Well, how, 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 about, how about this? How about that UFOs and aliens and ghosts are all a symptom of something much bigger? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I get that. Yeah, that's 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 what I was told a, a long time ago. That that <clears throat> excuse me that um, all of this stuff is just a symptom of a much bigger issue, and I'm still trying to figure out what that bigger issue is. Well, what was the the creature that was threatening and all of that? How did that go down? What what did that thing look like and how was it threatening you? Well, why? I don't know why. Um, I was living in my apartment. I just moved out of my parents and my kids, and I had gotten an apartment, and I was still, I think, sleeping on a cot or had just gotten to bed. It's been a long time ago, but um, it's been over 20 years ago, but, boy, it scared the shit out of me. And I had never forgotten that horrible face. But he wasn't, he looked more human than than not, but yet... There was something distinctly alien about his face. His eyes were crazy, and his teeth were sharp and jaggedy, and he came running in my bedroom. Uh, I had heard the patio door rattling, and I had heard the rocking chair moving in the living room. And I I was awake. I tried to look and see if I could see someone, and then he burst, and then he burst in the room. And he was screaming and yelling at me, and I couldn't even understand what he was saying. But he kept darting at me like he was going to hit me, and he had a stick in his hand. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, what is going on? I mean, I was hysterical. <laughs> Sounds like D. Snyder from Twisted I'm Sister like, to me. I mean, what the fuck are you doing in my room? What the hell? I remember I scooted up against the wall, and I pulled the covers up around me and I'm like get, you know it's trying to shield him from hitting at me and I can't remember how it ended um, something happened and he stopped he started looking real frightened and I didn't do anything but it was like there was some unseen thing that chased him away from me hmm. you know what I'm saying and um, that's basically how I remember it ending he Something else that I couldn't see protected me from him. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. I, and I, um, I had had this feeling for the better part of my life that I have been protected, that I'm being protected, that I'm being um, guarded. And, one, and my sister Kathy also has this feeling and has been told, as well as I have been told, by someone at one point or another in our life that if we ever got any life-threatening illness or something, you know, like all we needed to do was go out into a field somewhere alone, remote, lay down and go to sleep. I've never done that. (laughs) I've never tried it. And, you know, she had a stroke and I don't think she went out and laid in the yard (laughs) after she had her stroke or anything. But uh, we always kind of felt like... um, we were protected. So, I mean, in a way, it's been, I guess, kind of good because I've had some terrifying, scary shit happen to me here and memories, but I don't, I somehow feel as though it's all okay and huh. that I'll be all right. I, I, I wish, are, are there any specifics? Because uh, do, do you not find it odd that you feel like you've gotten these communications or, you know, and, and even though the means of communication is something that is really hard to verbalize. I would think that whatever was said, you could verbalize. Do you find it odd that that you're finding it hard to verbalize what was said? 
know. Because I, I, I think it's like, it, we've, we've been talking about this just on the discussion board, um, about experiencers feeling as though, just like you said, that we've got to like come forward and start talking about this stuff and, and build awareness and all of that. But none of us can seem to actually get a grasp on why that is. So it seems like there's this vague, this vague feeling, but 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 nothing real behind it. And I'm I'm just wondering, is there something real behind well, it for you? Is there? To me, we're all a little piece of the puzzle. And every time that I get connected with another person who is like me, for lack of a better way to put it, I get extremely excited uh, because we we learn from each other and we grow somehow in our experiences and our and sharing with each other. So we're all each a little piece of the puzzle. And the more people that I, you know, come in contact with, the, the, the more clearer I feel about, you know, my purpose in all this. And um, the um, and and I do remember having been told somehow by someone that some answers are in my blood, and I told Bud this. 20 years ago, um, somebody needs to look at our blood because there's something different in our blood. I don't know what that means. Um, I also, I also um, remember being told somehow that um, light was going to be used for healing and medical purposes and travel and all kinds of uh, communications. And, you know, this was 20 years ago. Um, there are several things that I actually wrote down that I think are in my the book that my sister and I wrote because I kept the journal of stuff. Uh, remember how you said that you should write, sit down and write down everything weird and all the weird stuff that you can mm-hmm. remember? That's what I did. That's what ended up being that second book. Mm-hmm. And, but as far as, like I said, I mean, I think that I need to be, uh, if I say one thing or one word that, flips that switch in somebody else that gets them started on this journey, then I've done what I'm supposed to do. The journey being um, some kind of evolution or some kind of growth, some kind of spiritual, psychic growth. I mean, you know, this this is way bigger than a mark in a yard or a poke in the leg. Or- yeah, that's what I find fascinating about you is that you are somebody who uh, has had those surface level or top level, as Jeff says, experiences um, but you don't, in the long run, cling to them. Like you had told me that since your hysterectomy, they uh, you haven't had any blatant abductions, and you feel like almost abandoned in some way. But in another way, you know that this is—it's more—it's it, not about that. Right. It's not. About now, that. I, I think the average person reading an abduction book would end it there. Would 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 read, "I had a hysterectomy, and these aliens lost all interest in me. Therefore." These are aliens, and they're little doctors, and they're doing an experiment. And when you're no longer a valuable guinea pig for them, they, they toss you by the wayside. You, having had that experience, don't actually see it that way, do you? No, I don't. Um, it, it, it was like um, I graduated to a different level at that point. Um, and like I said, my, I, I, did, I don't really have a lot of... Um, real-time odd things happen or a lot of sightings. I do have some, I have had some sightings, you know, some CE1s. Uh, I was involved in that Kokomo boom thing last year. I was a witness to that craziness. 
And uh, we've had some odd things happen around the house, and the family has too, but not to the magnitude of June 30th, 1983, or the few episodes before that. And that's what I'm saying. Um, whatever was done to me during those times, I think, was to facilitate this later on in some way. And it changed uh, the experience, the abduction experience changed from uh, the, the the physical part of it is no longer needed, it, right. for lack of a better way to put that, even. you know. Have you, you, know have I mean? you talked to Bud about this? You know what, I've talked to Bud very little over the, over the years. Um, because like I said, you know, for about 10 good years, I pulled away. I pulled away. I focused on other things in my life, and I tried to really, I tried to make this stop, but it wasn't going to have any of that. And Bud's very busy man, very busy man. He's got thousands and thousands of people grabbing at him and needing him, you know. And um, I've seen him a few few times over the years, and we've always been warm, and and uh, but we've never really talked about any of this. It's always been, you know. How, how's the family, and you know what I mean? Just superficial right. stuff. It's, and then, you know, of course, I, like when I found out about the eye thing, the macular stuff at, at 40, which is rare, and and the, uh, you know, the scar in my eardrum and physical things like that that pop up, and the little bright spot in my CAT scan, you know, I try to, to let them know about weird shit like that. But. Just as an aside, I think it's really hilarious that you you did UFO Hunters for that Indiana yeah. Boom thing. Didn't tell them who I was. But you didn't tell them who you were, so they didn't make the connection. <laughs> well, you know what? Because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about all the shit that I'd been through. This was about the Kokomo people, the boom, the thing that happened in Kokomo. There was a lot of stuff going on here, and there's still stuff going on here. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to distract them from what I thought was important. So. Yeah, they didn't. I I think maybe Bill knows now. Now that he's my Facebook buddy, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, now it, it it wasn't about me. Other than I was just a witness, and now I'm an investigator. I I investigate again for MUFON. I did that fifteen years ago and kind of backed away from it. But then after the whole Kokomo thing blew up, they I, Jerry's like, can you please? Please help us. I'm like, okay. <laughs> do you have any feeling on Robert Bigelow uh, basically buying MUFON? That upsets me. Yeah, I do have some feelings about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, I don't know Bob Bigelow. I've never met him. He might be a perfectly nice guy. But um, I, uh, several years ago, I I was told, and I could I could be mistaken, but I was told that sold some of his files to Bob Bigelow many years ago, and one of those was mine because I had worked with him on a project that him and uh, another researcher in, in uh, St. Louis were working on as far as abductees go at the time, uh, from a psychological point of view, him being a psychologist. But, um, you know, so I've known for years that Bob Bigelow had purchased a file of me and some of my stuff that was kind of, you know, stuff I maybe might not want some strange guy having. But uh, he's got it, and I never could. Under- I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why he would want something like that. And so then, when this happens, first thing I'm thinking is he's going to suck up all the anybody else that has a you know an experience, uh, kind of an abduction or something. He's going to get a hold of all their stuff. What does he want all this stuff for? I'm, 
you know, I'm probably just being paranoid, um, and I may be completely wrong, and I don't want to judge anybody, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, and I, I you know, move on. It, it could be a great thing for them money-wise, you know, and, and help boost them up in the mainstream, but I feel uncomfortable with it, and I can't lie about that. I'm not going to. So. If I get kicked out, I get kicked out. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think about it? Um... I don't know. I mean, for, I I only know about him peripherally. I know he's certainly an interesting guy. I'd like to meet him. Maybe I'd feel better if I met him. Well, I know he's a pretty scary guy. Huh? <laughs> For what I hear, he's a pretty kind of a shady character. And, you know, essentially, he was trying to build a ship on UFO. Uh, you know, whatever he could glean off of UFO data. Um, Why? What's he gonna do I, with it? Well, I don't know. Um, because he can, because he's a billionaire and he's probably bored. Um, and I know, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, he certainly hasn't released any of the data and video and whatever on that. Um, right, Jeff? Am I right in saying uh, that? Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. However, I will say for the record, Mr. Bigelow, if you'd like to in any way support the show with a grant, <laughs> Jeremy and I would yes. be most appreciative. Thank you. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Mr. Bigelow, I, I, yeah, I... I think you're shady and you may have killed people for less, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, I will sell out to you immediately. I mean, don't don't get us wrong on that. I'm an cool. I'm an experiencer with a lot of unusual stuff, and and you know I'm I got a house payment. So I'm afraid yeah, I work exactly. for I work for a, an automotive parts supplier. It's about to bite the dust. So you know you can spread a little love over this way. Maybe I'll. You know, no, I'm not. That's terrible. I shouldn't be that way. I mean. Uh. I, I'm an experiencer with yeah, lots of unsecured debt. <laughs> Let me just say, I hope it all works out for everybody involved. List. I'm retarded. Don't pay any attention to me. I'm, I'm insane. Haven't you met yeah. me? It's it's a fun <laughs> show. We're allowed to do that kind of thing. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think he's 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 bought Mufon for a reason. He says everything's going to be made public, so. Well, be great. So. If that's the way it is, I think that's great. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think Mufon desperately needs funding because I think they've been a. Uh, I, I'm going to say it, so you can send all your hate mail to the Paratopia message board. Uh, that they've been a pretty antiquated um, monster for a while, and frankly, I mean, I'll be honest with you. As far as Mufon goes, I've seen things go into Mufon and get swallowed up for years and never be heard from again. So I've never personally trusted MUFON either. So, um, you know, even though I used to give lectures to MUFON groups, I was never a member. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, I I don't know. I think everybody kind of needs to, to take the lead from somebody like Ted Phillips who, you know, the minute he goes through the data and he says, yeah, this is – I think I can present this. Uh, this is not something mundane. This is something interesting. And boom, it's out to the public. No questions asked. I think that's mm -hmm. the way pretty much every researcher needs to be, because otherwise, you know, forget about it. It's 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 all going to be, uh, uh, and it and it has been for years. Been this ego driven thing where it's it's my case and thou shalt not enter unless I give you permission. And my permission is under lock and key right now. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's going to be a whole lot different than, than what it has been, but um, but uh, Mr. Bigelow definitely has a way of, of uh, 
especially with Skinwalker, you know, we don't know anything about that. I mean, we know what happened, but we what were the results of the t- scientific testing? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what no, happened? I read the book. Where's the video? By the way, Where's, scared the yeah. shit out of me. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, but, but they, they shot video of all this stuff. I mean, this stuff is on, you know, very nice cameras that, you know, mm-hmm. were provided. And where is that footage? We need to see that kind of thing. And yeah. That's incredibly frustrating. Uh, so, I mean, um, yeah, well, what, was, what do we, what do we get the majority of us hoaxes? <laughs> <laughs> That's my what we get. That instinct tells me, no, this is not good, but. You know, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm in no position to judge anybody, so I hope it works out for all parties involved. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I have, um, I guess I just have one final question and then we'll dismiss you and talk about you behind your back. Oh, thank you. I knew you uh, would, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you think that we're at an evolutionary crossroads, yeah. you think it, do you think it's in your lifetime? I mean, what's a ballpark estimate of time that we've got left here could be because why else would i be doing this here now if not although yeah maybe i'm just laying the groundwork for the next generation i don't know so you're 50 how's your diet and health good yes rocking okay so i just had my um as a matter of fact <laughs> so how many years do you think you've got left so we've got like let, let, let's count down to your death here i mean okay got, death watch <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we talking like 30 years? Like, what do you yourself? Let me tell you uh, something. I'm surprised he didn't have... ask you if you were regular or not. <laughs> and I am, as a matter of fact. <laughs> me too, me like you. clockwork. Wait, am I not allowed to say you're 50 because you're a woman and we're not allowed to talk about age and all that? No, dude, that's, that's fine. I, I mean, right. I, I, I wear it like a badge. Woo! And, and I got at least another 50 in me. I'm telling you, I just had a complete physical, and the doctor's like, whoa, I wish my numbers were that good. Everything is is perfect. And Okay, so we got like 50 years to fuck around and get things well, wrong. Well, hell yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I, I'd, be, I'd be here for a while unless I get hit by a bus in the morning on the way to work or some shit like that. Or a meteor drops on Maybe it's game off. Maybe there's no evolutionary turn point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm in good health. As a matter of fact, an alarmingly good health. And as a matter of fact, even <laughs> when <laughs> when the I just re- my I just turned fifty, February seventeenth, Paris told me I have the same birthday. Thank you. I was first, <laughs> little bitch. Anyway, I um <laughs> I uh, would tell everybody at work, they put it up on the, the, the scrolling woo-ha, happy birthday to me, you know, and all that, and they're all asking me how old I was, and I told them, um, 50, and they're like, no, you are not. Everybody, hands down, guessed me at 36. I'm like, okay, love it. So, <laughs> quick, the, the more weight I lose, I'm going to be having a facelift, because I can, I can put this tummy in a Spanx, and I can get me a Victoria's Secret bra to hike this shit up here on my front, but I can't hide this face, so the face is getting fixed first. You are a ridiculous character. I am retarded. I told you that. Oh, I, I, guess, I guess I do have one other thing. Uh, can, can, we, uh, can we bash Jim Sparks while you're here? No. I love on, Jimmy. He's, he's retarded. I love him. <laughs> I love him. 
But you don't believe that he can really coach people for whatever ridiculous, <laughs> absorbent amount of money, <laughs> do you? I, for those who don't know, Jim Sparks is can, an abductee who claims to have an alien language that was given to him, and, and for X amount of dollars, he will counsel other abductees and tell them what to think. Isn't that... Hey, you know what? If he can find other people that have the money to pay him to do it, more power to him, I say. Rock on. Can you have a little conversation with him and just ask him what the fuck he's doing? And then tell him that I, I like to put a boot in his ass. <laughs> okay. He's really funny, though. Oh, he, oh, he's funny, all right. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh... I'll see what I'll, I'll see what I can do, boys. <laughs> but you don't believe that, do you? You don't believe that he can he has these any any more knowledge about anything than anyone else that would qualify him to be a counselor on this, do you? Well, like I said before, I'm in no position to judge anybody else and what they do. Um, yeah, but if you had to, <laughs> I believe if I, 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 I believe say I weren't going to leave you alone until you did. Oh. Then what would you say? <laughs> yeah, you just fuck off. <laughs> now I'm going to pee on myself. No, anyway, um, no, I, I've um, I've had serious conversations with with him in the past, and I do believe that he's had legitimate experiences. Um, we've, of course, this was 15 years ago, you know, too. But um, I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not. I'm not going to bash anybody else or judge anybody else's stuff, but I, I do believe he's had legitimate experiences. I don't know, um, I don't know about the uh, other stuff. That's uh, I, I don't know that much about it too. I mean, I I'd have to. I really I wasn't I, I, I haven't paid much attention to him in the last few years. That's probably oh, good on you. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> you weaseled your way out of that one. I'm a girl. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks very much, Deb, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, boys. I have had fun. Well, I always love yeah, talking to come you. Back, come back and we'll have you again. Ooh. Yes. Over <laughs> and over and over. over. And we'll have you again and again. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I like him younger. Oh, boy. <laughs> you keep looking 36, and I'll keep being 35. Hi, this is Ted Phillips, and you're listening to Paratopia. Research and investigation into the enigmatic. Eerie Radio is a weekly podcast that features interviews with the world's leading paranormal researchers. Download episodes of Eerie Radio from your favorite podcatcher or directly from the show website at www.eerieradio.com. Eerie Radio. Listen. Learn. Laugh. So, Jeff, Deb Jordan. Deb Jordan. What's your take? I, uh, I had the feeling, I had the feeling probably even before this interview, uh-huh. that uh, something about her might rub you the wrong way, if only because <laughs> uh, you're not, yeah, how you say, 
into the whole hybrid thing and um, mm-hmm. and whatever else you're not into. So, what, <laughs> what, <laughs> how did you take all of that? Did it did it play well for you in your mind? I mean, what what do you think of her story? Um, I think that I I, I mean I think that she's definitely had experiences, legitimate experiences. I don't think by any means that she's making stuff up. I think that for me it comes down to, and and I, and you and I have had a lot of conversations on the phone about this, about the interpretation of what someone experiences versus what, what is actually going on. And, um, you know, as far as the whole, the hybrid thing and the, um, you know, the, the classic abduction scenario, I don't need to go over that for anybody listening. I just think that that is, um, that's a, a product of media. And I, I think that, um, I mean, she agrees with me that it's a lot deeper than what, um, than what we've been kind of conditioned to believe within ufology. But I think there's another aspect to that, not just the researchers, but the interpretations of experiencers. Um, to what that means, uh, or to what actually happens to them. So I don't necessarily think that she's not telling the truth. I think that her her integration into her life is basically what we're hearing. We're not really hearing um, what the experiences was was on a raw level. I think she describes that to a point, but then basically her interpretations of that kind of follow behind. And that's where, to me, things get cloudy. Um, so I, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big subscriber to the thought that there's anything particularly special about any of us, um, except for the fact that some people tend to pay more attention to this stuff when it occurs than 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 others do. Uh, some kind of grab the tiger by the tail and and some just blow it off um, because a lot of it exists on the edge of your perception um, so I think the way whatever way you interpret it is um, it is also going to come out uh, and into that public venue that's why I've always kind of tried to stay like this is what happened and that's it and that's all I have to say about it um, I mean, if I went into every feeling I had past being afraid or, um, I mean, for me, talking about the fractal thing a couple of shows ago was beyond the stupid. I didn't even feel like I should be talking about that. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, I was pretty gratified to hear that she didn't have a, uh, like, they are this, they are from here, they are doing this. Um, I don't disagree with the evolutionary part of the discussion. I don't, I, I do agree that it's a wake-up call of sorts um, to a to a greater notion of what reality means, but that's, again, that's stuff that uh my old research partner and I were talking about a long time ago that this was all of this stuff was probably a symptom of something bigger and that it was a um, kind of what what uh, possibly evolution could look like uh, to us if it were uh, 
if there was something outside of this kind of nudging along. Um, and maybe she's right in the sense that we're in that fever pitch right now where, you know, it's either it's either change your outlook on what this all means and what you're doing or, you know, you're just going to be stuck in this endless, endless vicious circle of exactly what you have right now. So, uh, I mean, that would certainly fit into um, something that uh, I was talking to Bill Burns earlier and we were talking about uh, my Men in Black episode and, and I, you know, related to him that I... I don't even know that I equate these people to any sort of quote-unquote government, but what if it's some other privatized group that doesn't want this this new awareness to happen because it would systematically mean the end of business or um, you know corporations and and our everyday lives for that matter? I mean, what if that's what the the global change is all about? Is that you won't get up and go to work? You won't make money, you won't worry about money, um, the challenge will be inside, not how much shit you can buy um, and still pay your bills. That just won't matter anymore. Um, what if that's what that is? Uh, so that kind of will fit into any any mold you can try and fit it into. But going back to her uh, accounts, it's not that I disbelieve. I absolutely believe she saw and experienced some very weird stuff. But I don't know that I necessarily agree with the interpretation of what she um, or how she views her 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 change or how, how it's... I, I believe it's definitely done something for her because it does something for everybody in the end. But what is it? Where do you go with it? I mean, is it is it just as simple as talking about it? I mean, that's my big well, question. I don't know. I mean, I don't get the sense that she feels special in any sort of way. I, I get the sense that she either it was deliberately, blatantly shared with her, or she just through the years has intuited this, you know, evolutionary <clears throat> excuse me crossroads, uh, and has decided to or sees it. Maybe she does, you know, sees it as her job to be proactive in mm. making that decision and mm. helping people make that decision. I don't think that that's necessarily special or anything. I mean, I think that's just sort of more a conscious choice. I mean, if you're saying that you see that crossroad, well, what do we know about you? We know that you came out of retirement, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it seems like more like what you're doing is more unconscious. It's more... Uh, Maybe that's why I'm just not getting it. You know, <laughs> well, all that, but uh, hmm. well, let me ask you: Are we allowed to talk about this part where you and I have privately discussed um, not, you know, feeling like you're not going to die, and like if you're with us, you're going to be okay? I don't remember if we've ever spoken about that publicly or not. Uh, I I just don't have a. Um, I mean, you don't attribute anything to that, but are we allowed no. to talk about it? Yeah, sure. All right, so so that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the, the only difference would be that she has that feeling, you know, mm-hmm. this is going to happen in her lifetime or whatever. And if you're with her, you'll maybe be, it's you'll the verbiage. Maybe just, it's yeah. the verbiage for me. I mean, maybe that's what it is. I mean, when any 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 time I hear, you know, somebody say uh, something to the effect of, you know, the universe just told me this, and I that's I had no choice about it. This is just the way it goes. It's just kind of like 
is in one ear and out the other for me. And maybe it's just the verbiage of, again, like she said, language and communication are not enough. And I completely agree with that. I completely agree with a lot of what she said. Um, uh, it's just, I, I mean, like I said, it's, 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 it's an interpretation. I mean, I think she's a great lady. I, I, I think she's super nice and, um, and all of that. She's a great, great person. Um, and we don't have to agree on the interpretative part of it. I mean, I've just got a different. No, you know, I'm just look wondering what the disagreement actually is. Is it, is it just the way? I'm not even sure. It, it's, it, I guess maybe it's the verbiage or it's the. Um, uh, it's the I, I just like you can play an active role in that, or or have some sort of part to play. I mean, it seems like that's the part that grates on you. Is the feeling I, like I, I can do something about this? I can be a part of this. I, I guess that's probably. Yeah, I guess that could be a part of it. Um, I think that whatever you're supposed to do, you're, you're just going to do as far as this field goes. I mean, I got back into it when um, Dave Bietney wrote me about Michael Horn, and uh, that was what kind of kicked me off back into... I mean, I was strictly sticking to the photographic stuff. I did not want to come down this path again. Um, I saw you certainly a, didn't want to do this show with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, I'm having a blast. Okay. Oh, um, uh, you know, I I was strictly sticking to the photographic stuff, and my wife said to me right then and there, she's like, "You're going to get into this, and everything's going to dredge back up again for you. You're going to start. You know, we've 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 still got weird things happening here and there, but it's nothing like the three ring circus that our lives used to be." And um, and I'll say this for this show because this is how comfortable I am with our listeners. Um, my wife and I split up for six months because of this stuff. I left home. I left my five-year-old, my baby boy, um, without a dad for six months um, because of this. Uh, because it overtook my life in such a profound way that... Um, that I didn't feel like she got me anymore. Uh, I didn't feel that um, uh, I, I felt just just continually abused. Uh, not in the sense that she wasn't ever supportive. It's just that, and she always was supportive. Lisa, Lisa's always been super, super supportive of anything I want to do, whether it be an art direction, whether it be something in this direction with this stuff, or musically. Um, I mean, I've joined some really shitty bands, and <laughs> I've been like, this is the greatest thing ever. We're going to get signed. And yeah, she'd be like, yeah, I don't think so, but if that's what you want to do, I'll, you know, whatever it takes to, to, to make it happen for you, let's do it. And she's that kind of person. But in my mind, it was, she doesn't get me. She doesn't get it. These people I'm talking to, they get it. They get me. That's the direction I should be. I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm completely miserable in my marriage, and it was nothing further from the truth in reality. Um, it's just when this becomes your entire obsession, nothing else seems to matter. So, going back into it, I, I always thought it from the standpoint that it never hurts to keep tabs on the enemy, and I very much viewed this as that. Um... And so I just said, well, I can lend my my uh, uh, visual arts stuff to 
to, to looking at video and, and photographic stuff. So I got hooked up with ATS, and then that's when Dave found me. And he, we started talking, and you know, I mean, I've been on that show how many times, and um, and that's how I got back into talking about my own experiences again. So it's like a whole new crowd um, from what it used to be. Um, but it it uh, I when she talks about how it tore your life apart, believe me, I know, I know from experience. Um, uh, I I can't think of another time in my life more horrible and more frightening than when I was again out away from my wife, living on my own, um, in uh, a rather large estate <laughs> that was loaned to me by a family member and I was less than two miles away from Paranormal Central where I took you when you came for a visit. I mean, it was right there. Um, And a lot of weird experiences that I have never even talked about happened at that place during that time. Um, So, you know, pain and hurt all around uh, I woke up one day and just came to my senses about it. And uh, when I when I came home after my sabbatical or or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, I said that that's that's uh, I couple that with the Men in Black visit and all of that. You know, I mean that uh, I was just like, this is not somewhere I want to be anymore. So I get what she's talking about there, but. I think that when you start talking about your impressions of what uh, you're supposed to do, I don't. I can't. Maybe it's that I can't relate to it. Maybe because it's it's never been uh, it's never been so rarely apparent to me what I'm supposed to be doing. I just know that I've met very key people that I never would have met just completely spontaneous, like you, like David, like. Um, uh, I mean, who else? Wait, back uh, up a second. You said me. Now, what's so great about me? Uh, because I think that you have, I, I just, for I me... I just wanted to hear what was great about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> dickhead. Um, I, I think that you have... I didn't think you'd take that seriously, but go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Speak of my great... Well, no, no. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, it's. I think that you have given me a larger view of the the... I mean, you have to realize that, you know, when I quit this so many years ago, um, that I was under the definite impression that this was um, inherently bad, negative, toxic. And I still, to a point, believe that it is toxic in the sense of what effect it can have on certain people. But I think that you have given me a different view of the direction um of looking, it's not based anymore for me on what does the government know, what does this know. It's the question of what are you perceiving, how are you perceiving it. And you and David both were instrumental in this for me. Um, in uh, how I have to, to to step back from this and take a, a completely different look at at uh, at myself interacting with this stuff. Um, and I think you've been both been readily uh, willing to listen to me talk about 
um, things that really walk kind of a line of, of, of credibility when it comes to the more attention you pay to something like this, the more that you get. I think you brought that kind of, um, you brought a definition to that for me that is, is, uh, uh, is, is showing me, a, a, again, a larger side of reality that I never would have been exposed to in my, in my circles. So that's kind of where this is all gone for me is like I've, I've really latched on to that, um, that notion of this isn't, you know, things are not what they seem to be, which I always kind of knew, but I think you guys validating that to me um, was pretty helpful. I was way more into the nuts and bolts, the, um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't come into the, the reality aspect of it until I was probably 10 years in uh, and, and getting on with that notion that there are uh, very likely uh, these, these aliens or whatever we want to call them. Uh, when I said, you know, 10 or more years ago that this is, this is not what this appears to be. I got such a backlash. It was ridiculous. And I think that now, nowadays I think people are, um, are very, very much more open to alternate possibilities and more open to other theories that they would not have been, you know, back in the mid mid late eighties. Uh, so well, you know, what's interesting yeah. is that I saw like Jacques Vallée, who came into the field from the outside, smartest guy in the room. Uh huh you know, gets his ass handed to him by ufologists. Yeah. Whitley Strieber comes from outside, smartest guy in the room, gets his ass handed to him. John Mack, smartest guy in the room, gets his ass handed to him. You know, it's, it's always the same thing. It's always the guy from outside. Um, and they all, all three of those guys basically have that same openness to, to say, you know, this, this ain't cut and dry ETH don't know what this is, let's remain open to the questions. Mm-hmm. And they get their asses handed to them. And I saw that growing up and reading those guys, and, and I thought immediately, oh, these are the ones to pay attention to. Because <laughs> <laughs> anytime you get your ass handed to you... <laughs> you're on to something. Yeah, you're on to something. And, you're, you know, and you don't have a an initial, you know, as vested interest in ufology uh, in the same way that these people who are in it do. Um, yeah, then I think that fresh perspective is usually pounced on and, and torn apart by the monkeys inside the box. Uh, and it is more than, than and I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea of, of accepting the fact that it's not all been about selling books and protecting theories, that it's also been about that maybe these people actually think that they are reporting exactly what is going on. Maybe that's their, you know, the reason they beat it so so, you know, they, they beat that drum so loudly is because that is what they genuinely believe is going on. Um, but, I mean, of course, we, we have the charlatans and whatnot. We get that, you yeah, know. Well, but when you say that Bud Hopkins and those guys are giving the, uh, you know, giving the mass-marketed version of it, well, she's had those experiences. So the mass-marketed version of it isn't something that's completely wrong. It's just something that's completely whittled down into these one or two you know, events that we read about over and over and over again. Well, well, that's why I find be, her interesting yeah. in, in bucking that and saying, yeah, no, this stuff did happen to me. The Bud Hopkins stuff happened to me. But this other stuff, 
also happened to me, and this is more important. This is actually that was like phase one. That was the surface level of this crap. Here was yeah. phase two, which was more psychic and more whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I find that interesting because this is the fucking poster child for that stuff. You know. Well, I, I, and I think again we have to to level in what is the perception of someone who experienced the weirdness. What did they perceive? And that's I'm telling you, that's key to all of this stuff. Um, you know, if you were a fly on the wall, what would you have seen if you were there? Um, I mean, that's that's a question probably we're never going to be able to answer. But uh, you know that that what someone relates to you, whether it's under hypnosis, which I think is fucking garbage or not. Um, you know, uh, I, when, when I uh, uh, let, let give a big for instance, you know, if you were standing beside the road up there where I took you, would you have seen the disc? Would Lisa have been in the car with someone? If, I mean, what, what, what really happened? I mean, I, I, I know what I perceived. I know what I think happened. But is that really it? Knowing how easily that these things, whatever they, whoever these people are, how easy it is for them to manipulate your perceptions of everything and make it not dreamlike or any less real than what we're doing right now, knowing that it is that immersive, it is that detailed. I mean, it almost, you kind of have to go with what someone perceives, but I think we still have to be somewhat critical of what we're looking at. We, you know, if you say, well, if they are just our perceptions that much, what are we ever going to get from it? Because we can't take anything at face value. I think that's true to a point, but we got to work with what we got. Um, you know, and somewhere along the line, uh, we're going to see... And we've seen on this show alone just similar threads that seem to be going throughout psychedelic experiences and other paranormal experiences that um, that seem to connect up, that seem to have a similarity to them. Um, well, let me throw this at you. Um, yeah. Do you think that if you had seen that ball of light and it had scanned you mm-hmm. and it had given your dog, you know, cancer, if it had basically given you radiation poisoning and killed mm-hmm. your animal and killed the grass outside and all of that, mm-hmm. do you think that you could ever have gone, swung around to saying that this is not evil? Based on mm-hmm. just those gross physical uh, tumorous conditions of the body that happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, I find that amazing, you know? <laughs> I guess oh, I'm the yeah, only one who finds that amazing that, yeah, that after, yeah. you know, you took her years to recover from physical symptoms that she's still recovering it, from, and she's still like, no, let's, uh, you know, I uh, got some good stuff out of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's um, that's part of the thing that used to frustrate me about about people, that, and maybe I wasn't getting it then, was, uh, you know, the vast majority of people that I met that had the experience, and they said they were so traumatized by it, I said, well, do you want it to stop, or don't you? And, you know, I have to admit, I got a 5 to 7% amount of people, I would say, just in casual talking, that would say, well, you know, not if there's something to learn. And I would say, what are you learning by getting the piss scared out of you all the time and and being so debilitated by fear that, you know, that, that you're afraid to take the garbage out or go for a walk with your wife in the park at night or whatever. Um, but you got to see the bigger picture with that, and, and that is that, you know, if something is... Uh, at least this is my bigger picture uh, from my perspective is if this stuff scared me uh, 
so horribly bad for so long, um, then that gave me a pretty good insight into other parts of my life that I didn't tread because I was afraid to, to do this or do that. And, um, you know, public speaking was a big one. Uh, I was terrified of that. Well, why was I afraid? Because I was afraid I'd make an ass of myself or I'd, um, you know, say something people didn't like. And, and in dealing with this, this, you know, (laughs) hitherto unknown portion of my life, dealing with this stuff, um, it did. It taught me a lot about what I was afraid of. Uh, so I, I mean, when she talks about growth of a person based on these experiences, I can definitely relate to that. Um, there's n- not a whole lot that I am afraid of as far as um, you know, life stuff. Really, it, it's uh, uh, I worry about a lot of stuff, but I'm not a, a lot of things that that normal people like you know, get worried about. I just don't, don't seem to really concern me that much. It's other stuff that I worry about that most people would say, well, that's nothing. <laughs> so, um, I see the, the, the growth. I see the, the realization that there's more to all of this, but I, that doesn't seem to me like that doesn't feel new to me. That doesn't, I'm, I want more. I want to know, I want to know the mechanism of how something like what she relates with the ball. How does that happen? You know, why does that happen? What is the, you know, I mean, George would tell you there is no why, but. There's no why. <laughs> but. <laughs> That's a bad question, Jeffrey. Bad question right. to ask. Right, I know. Um, <laughs> but I want to know more about the mechanism of of how it relates to us. How do we contribute to these events that happen? What, you know, what, what's the, what's the cycle of that? You know, was it true that while I wasn't paying attention to this stuff and had very little things happen and then, you know, in the course of getting into ridiculously deep conversations with people like Dennis McKenna uh, and you, and then Lisa, the same night, boom, something happens that night that, again, I can't explain away. I can't, I can't say, well, I must have dreamed that. It was too in your face for that. Mm-hmm. What is that? Why? Why does that happen? That's the questions for me. I mean, I get that there's a larger reality. I get that, um, that there are probably things sitting around that we can't see listening to every word we're saying right now. Um, right. You're you're Whitley Strieber staring at the alien, pulling off its mask, seeing the beast underneath it, and going, "That's not it. I want to know what it is." <laughs> and it's telling you, "You're not going to get to know." <laughs> well, you know. Except I don't believe that we're not going to get to know. I think we're going to get to the fucking bottom of some of these things. That's my feeling. I I don't. I don't think we are, but I think that the struggle to do it is part of why it is. You're wrong. We're gonna. <laughs> Well, you're wrong. Um, no, I think we've got a lot of things to overcome, and, and the biggest one is being our own perception of these things, which I think is probably the reason Deb is saying that a lot of this stuff went to like a quote-unquote psychic area, uh, because that's more direct. That's not that's bypassing perception of of the human senses that you know the meat senses, um, and that's probably a lot more useful. Um, 
I can't say, well, I guess, I guess maybe the fractal thing some weeks ago was maybe part of that, maybe was sort of that direction. Why but did you not want to speak about that because you thought it was silly? Because I thought it was ridiculous. Um, you didn't think it was important? See, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people who a psychological explanation or even a partial psychological explanation is like the Antichrist. I'm not going to be one of those people. If that's where it starts, that's fine. But, I mean, all, all, all these people listening to us, these, I can only tell you with every fiber of me and every bit of, of openness and honesty that I can throw at you and as sincere as I can be, that... I have always had the definite impression that this starts in your head, but it ends up standing on the floor staring at you. And I don't even know totally what that means. Uh, but I think there is definite, there is a definite, tangible, psychological aspect to this stuff that it's definitely external, but somehow it gets into your head, and the more you believe it, the more it's going to manifest on that carpet in front of you. And for that reason alone, we are an integral piece of why these things happen. So the question now is, what is the external? And that for me is the big question. I, I, I have to bypass uh, interpretations of... Uh, or other people's interpretations of like like Jim Sparks, you know, he thinks he was taught the alien. I think Jim may have had some legitimate experiences, maybe a lot, and his interpretation of those experiences is what he's talking about. And it, I just I just I hear that and I go, I don't think that's it. It's not my experience. I can't say for sure. And like she says, who are we to to criticize anybody else's experiences? But. I can at least offer that, you know, uh, I think Deb is being completely honest about what she's experienced. I think what she's seen is what she's seen. But again, we're, we're just like with you, just like with me, it's being filtered through our perceptions. And then it's, it's also being interpreted by what, what little minds we have <laughs> uh, to interpret that and try and convey it to someone else. So much of this uh transcends what language that we can use i mean there there is um to 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 accurately describe this in words is just to be thought an idiot and and that's been a big part of it too and i think that there's a reason for that is because there is a level of secrecy forget the government secrecy believe me i mean uh, for years, I've, you know, said, why is everyone so obsessed? Stephen Bassett is so obsessed with the government must tell us the truth. Like, they know everything. And I'll say this to Stephen when we see him at the X conference. Stop lobbying the government and start trying to lobby <laughs> this phenomena. Because if it wanted to be known, it'd be known. Done, over with. There's not a government on the planet that could stop it. Uh, That's a good idea. <laughs> Why is it that? The... <laughs> well, I guess, I guess technically uh, Greer did when he went out into the woods. Oh, with please don't say that name. <laughs> <laughs> he went out into the woods with flashlights and lasers. Right. 
But I mean, that's that's where to me the secret lies is that they're the ones holding the secret. They're these these beings are the ones that are holding all the keys, and so far we've only seen a glint of the keys that that they have behind their back. Uh, you know, I I I, I just don't. Uh, I think if you were shown the key and shown the door, it would just. I, I keep going back to what. You know about what uh, Terence McKenna said when when he asked a being one time. You know how come you guys always masquerade as extraterrestrials? And they said, "Well, if we told people what we really are, they'd really freak out." <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's that. I mean, when he said that, I just that's it's got such a ring of truth to it and because it's, it's comical on purpose. It's got to be comical on purpose. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, because it's so much. I, I'm convinced that whatever it is. Uh, if we ever could articulate it, it would just mean that everybody would just stop whatever the, the world would stand still, <laughs> as the movie says. So, I mean, uh, it would be that devastating uh, to everything that we that we hold as a life. Um, I mean, that's how big I think this thing is, and that's that bigger you know problem or issue that seems to be a symptom of ufology of ghost of the paranormal this that and the other i i think that they are all symptoms of this larger reality that we can't perceive but something is trying to go wake the fuck up you know uh <laughs> you know this is not what you're supposed to be doing you think that, uh, that our what what we see of them has to kind of like square peg, square hole, it has to match what they actually are, so that, like, Dev and I were talking about this privately, just about how, you know, 20 years ago, she would get laughed at, she wouldn't want to talk about this stuff publicly. Sure. Now, there's a general consensus of what alien abductions are, you know, at least you sort of have the image of the gray being and the doctors and all that, and so, people are, you know, won't initially laugh you out of the room, they'll decide whether they believe you or not. Right. But... They've got the image, and so the image dictates that it must. There must be something real about that. Um, but if the image is wrong, because for whatever reason, if the image is wrong, and it's actually this other broader thing that Jeff and I are trying to flush out here weekly, does it have to be right? Does it have to? Do we have to get it right, and then have that become the mainstream meme for all of this to click, for us to be able to pull them through? Uh, like you're saying, you visualize, and then it pulls through and lands on the carpet. Is that what the magic trick is here that's going on, do you think? It's almost like a combination lock. It's like we've got the numbers, and if we just do the right combination, it'll click. Uh, I mean, you're asking the wrong guy. I have no idea. I mean, that sounds as good as, you know, as any. I think, uh, I think we're too bound up in details. I think it's, you know, we're worried about, you know, what was the ghost wearing and, uh, <laughs> how many windows were on the disc you saw and that kind of stuff we're too bound up in that kind of crap because we're all still trying to prove that this thing is real uh, and we don't even know what that means uh, so you know if, if you get the right combination and everything clicks um, I mean I think I think smaller parts of that are starting to come through science to a certain point in you know, like what we've talked about before, which is, um, you know, the, the serious thing that the, that the New Agers have glommed onto, which is the whole quantum physics thing. And it, they, they grossly misinterpret that whole thing. But, um, but like Deb said, a lot of things that they're saying are 
clicking sure, into yeah. place for our stuff and what that means and how that might apply to the paranormal in general. Um, so, I, uh, I mean, you're asking the wrong guy as far as an answer for it. I don't know what the answer is going to be. I think we'll come to it. Uh, I, I think eventually, I don't think there's going to be any huge revelation um, at any point. I think it's just going to gradually turn like a slow motion wheel. And eventually this will become something that people all know uh, is real. It will be just a gradual seepage over years. Um, that that this, this will just be, yeah, yeah, I know about that. And, um, and that's what it is. And then I think more... Um, I think more people will have direct experience with this. I think, like I've said before, I think a lot of people already do, and uh, or already have, and just don't don't recognize it or justify it in some other way to themselves. They explain it away to themselves. Um, so I mean, until we're ready to stop with, I got to get to work, and I I don't have time to. Uh, think about that right now. I've got bills to pay. If we get away from that a little bit and just say, okay, I'll pay my bills, but then I'm going to devote some time to to, to, to studying something that, that happened to me, and I want to know why that happened and what I experienced. I think if people would just grab a hold of that that string, I think they'd be surprised where it leads them. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that but, Ted... The fuck is his name? Something that Ted Phillips said uh, yes. last week that um, has stuck with me and is grating on me, actually, which is that in all of his years of trace cases, working on mm-hmm. trace evidence of UFO, what, landings, burning treetops, whatever that is, trace cases, uh, it's always followed by uh, poltergeist-like activity. Uh-huh. And that was not enough for him to question the ETH. It was like that was just something that he sort of, I, I get the feeling, just sort of noted and went on with, you know, so noted. Now let's get back to trace case work. <laughs> right. Like that would actually, to me, be the important thing <laughs> to look at, yeah. at you know? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I, and then I mean, I, again, I, I think about like the abduction researchers, you know, when they did the Roper poll and, uh-huh. and it was all, you know, there were a lot of questions about poltergeist and ghost activity and stuff like that. And there was that little movement there to to equate poltergeist activity to alien abductions to, you know, that maybe you saw part of a thing that, you know, or remembered part of a, an experience um, and thought that it was ghosts. But then if you undergo hypnosis, you'll retrieve the memory of mm-hmm. this abduction phenomenon. I mean, all of that is like, I don't know, it just seems so uh, so farsighted or something, you know? Yeah. Or is it yeah. nearsighted? Is it nearsighted or farsighted? It's definitely sighted. We get the point, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think um, I think it's it's much like when you stood up at the X conference and you asked the question, "How do any of you know this is extraterrestrial?" And Maccabee's answer to me was, "Just what I've heard from ufology, and just what I've heard from every other paranormal, um, you know, group or person or authority." It's like, well, when you start talking about extraterrestrial, that's the that's the answer I can get my head around. Uh, so that's the one we pursue. When you start talking about dimensions and all these things, I don't know where to go with that. Well, I mean, is that really an answer? I mean, that not, it's not an answer to me. This is why 
the answer to at least our question, the ufology's you know little realm is not going to come from inside ufology. Well, That's why we're doing this show. It's not even an answer on its own terms. I mean, what what is easier to study about the extraterrestrial hypothesis than interdimensional? What aspect has revealed itself in such a way that is yields itself to the ETH? Well, I, don't even think it's, I don't even think it's study as much as it is that we can understand, you know, a culture far removed from Earth, light years away, that's, you know, thousands of years in advance of us. We can see that they may have stopped here. Um, that's a, that's a, uh, to them, that's a plausible theory. Um, I don't but, know why interdimensional is less plausible. I mean, if there are more dimensions, and it's just a matter of opening them up, how is that different than space travel? Well, because a lot of that stuff is still theoretical for you know for them. They, they're they're not versed in that kind of in that kind of physics. They're not versed in that. I mean, they know astrophysics. They, you know, we've got astrophysicists in this field. Um, but when you start talking about multi multi dimensional. Uh, you know, craft or fractal beings or any of this kind of stuff, they just don't know where to go with that because it just doesn't seem like something that they can speak on with any kind of authority. Whereas if you're talking about someone like, let's use Maccabee as an, as an example, you know, great researcher. Um, but when it comes to the extra-dimensional stuff, he says, I don't know where to go with that. I don't know enough about that to, to speak intelligently on it, I think is what he was saying. And if that's the case, then where has your extraterrestrial hypothesis led you in all the years that you've been studying it? It hasn't gotten you anywhere. Uh, it's made this phenomena no more tangibly real nor yielded any more proof than it ever has. But yet it's, it's continued completely unabated. But why wouldn't they study it in the way that they, I'm sure Maccabee has studied, for instance, ancient astronauts. Mm -hmm. So you're willing to move back in time, forward in time, you're willing to move into outer space, but you're not willing to just study physics? <laughs> well... In, in I, string theory? I mean, you know, everything what else? Have we, what have we said about the the New Agers? I mean, we hate the terminology. We hate the uh, airy fairy space brother stuff, and we hate uh, you know all of this stuff because it, it, the terminology that they're using is somewhat right. So I think when you start talking about extra dimensional or or something that we can't even come up with right now, um, uh, they're talking about presenting a theory, and that theory has to be has to be followable. It's like you have to follow a breadcrumb. Uh, string theory is still theory. Um, it's, it's not something that you can hang your hat on. And when you start using that kind of terminology without really having uh, solid facts to back it up, you know, Stanton Friedman has Zeta Reticuli as what was shown to Betty Hill. So you can say, okay, there's Zeta Reticuli here. There could be planets around that. So you're following that thread. That's something that the public can get their head around. When you start talking about string theory and all these different things, you got to be a Michu Kaku to explain that stuff to people. I mean, Michu Kaku is the, is the Carl Sagan of, you know, of theoretical physics. He's the guy that explains this, explains this stuff to us dummies. 
So, I mean, that that's a tough road to go down because all of it is still theoretical. So where do you go with that? Well, I mean, to me, the, 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 the way you go is to try to use the best terminology that you can to explain that. And that leads us back where? To the New Age. That's where it leads you. The secret. The more you give, the more you get. It, you know, and that's not a place they want to go. That's not a place where serious ufologists want to go. But unfortunately, like we've noticed, the terminology sucks, but there's an idea in there. There's something there with that airy-fairy thinking that... Well, yeah, I mean, the airy-fairy thinking comes with, A, the interpretation, and B, exactly. the, the, the selfishness is really what that stuff yes. is all about. yes. But there's something in there of there's a, there's a grain of sand in that pile that that speaks to something like we're talking well, about sure, something yeah. large. There's, a, there's Buddhism mixed up in there. There's Theosophy mixed yes. up in there. There's physics mixed up. I mean, yeah, sure. There's all sorts of jumbled shit mixed up in there. It's just all for self-aggrandizement and you know being able to say that you're happy when you're just repressed. I mean, that to me that's that sums <laughs> right. up the New Age movement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but... Gaining self-power for dummies, you know? It's like, religion left me and I was raped, so la la la, I'm going to put on a smile and pray to dolphins. Well, no. Right. (laughs) Right, right. Or, you know, or make the universe your shopping basket. I mean, we both know that that's complete garbage, but... Earth is a Trader Joe's, and if you just wish it... Right, but let's look at the... You know, let, let's look at the, at that that little new age nuance right there. It's like, yeah, there is something to uh, thought press uh, thought process and manifestation of things. There's something there to that. Uh, doesn't make the universe your shopping basket, but you know, I've had way too many of uh, people completely outside the field, friends of mine that don't know anything about this stuff, and I mentioned this aspect of of reality, or I mentioned the, this uh, uh, this focus based on you know manifesting things, and people all go, you know, that's the weirdest thing that you say that because I saw this thing on TV about that, and it was on Oprah or something, and I, you know, I just thought about uh, I don't know what it was like uh, uh, finding a pack of cigarettes in the middle of the street, and I just thought about that, and one day I was crossing the street, and there was a full pack of unopened cigarettes there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, you know, and based on my experiences, I mean, I've, I've seen that in action. I mean, and it's not that I'm overtly looking for it. It's almost like you have to forget that you asked for it or ignore it. And that's when it hits you. Right. And you've said the same thing to me. This is another thing you've given to me is this quote unquote enlightenment thing. And I hate that word too. Um, but whatever that is, I would like to experience that. And you said, well, you'll never get there if you're chasing it. You just have to say, fuck it, I'll never understand it anyway, and then it'll hit you. Well, what does that sound like? Mm-hmm. Again, we go back to that you know, desire, focus, thought, manifest, you know, that kind of thing. And I've, I've noticed that for years, years. When I was in high school, I noticed that kind of thing happening. But you don't talk about that. <laughs> People think you're a freaking weirdo. Um, and now this is, this is you know... Uh, on the basis of, you know, the secret and all these other kind of, you know, what the bleep or whatever it's called, these things are getting to be known by a lot of people. Um, 
I remember when I went to look for what the bleep because I somebody recommended. Oh, you should watch that. That's got interesting things in it. It's a lot of crap, but there's a, there's some interesting things in there. I think you'll appreciate. And I went to buy that at the mall, and I'm pretty pretty good friends with the video store owner there. And he, and I said to him, "Do you have this movie called this?" And he goes, "Man, I got one copy left. We can't keep that in when it shows up." So you know, uh, a lot of people are watching that kind of stuff and. While they won't believe at all, they're, I think they're getting the general idea so that when we talk about this stuff, I think people do a little bit understand, um, probably because they've experienced it at some point, too. Um, like I say, everything's just in a bigger picture for me. Um, and when it starts coming down to the individual, what am I supposed to do? What do I do? I think you're going to do what you're going to do and, you know... That is what you're supposed to do. I don't think there's any grand plan. I don't think there's a chalkboard in the sky. Uh, I think what you do is the goal you set for yourself, and um, uh, and and uh, I don't know that we're ever going to get any answers to this stuff because there's so many hurdles to get through. But if we can at least wrap our hands around, you know, a big ball of shit with a, a diamond in the middle, I'll be happy at that. So, um, yeah, well, now that you've brought us full circle and given us that great image of a diamond in the middle of shit, maybe it's time to wrap this up. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I think so. Thanks, Jeffrey. I didn't want to yammer on this week. Thanks a lot. Uh, (laughs) Well, you get to go back to bed now. I was listening to the other show from last week and I'm like, God, will you please just shut up? (laughs) <laughs> um, and that was just a Ted Phillips. Wait, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I guess the last thing to say is that um, I have decided on the thematic for Ted Phillips's uh, charity auction for the Marley Woods project, and we will be putting up some sketches of that. Hopefully, mm, well, right after this airs, the, next, the Saturday after this Friday. So um, everybody will be able to, to see it, and then I'll take some pictures as I'm trying to put it together. Cool. And we'll go for there. I think everybody will like it. It's, Are you going to tell them what the thematic is or no? No, it's topical, though. Oh, well, you'll we'll find out the day, next day anyway. So we'll The day after the show, sure. It'll be like Christmas. And we have some other potential news about it, but um, but we don't, so I probably shouldn't say that. Right. right. Yeah, we'll we'll keep that under our hats for now. Right. But we're pulling strings, people. We're pulling strings. Very good. <laughs> All right, the Jeff. Uh, let's go back to our respective hotel rooms and catch ourselves a cat nap, eh? Yeah, that'd be good. We didn't break the fourth wall this this week. That's fascinating. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Except for just now when we just did. 